It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. Three weekends to go in the Big Ten season. Is the picture any clearer? Well, uh, no, not exactly. Kyle Charters here, Drew Charters as well for the Big Baseball Podcast. Some changes at the top of the conference, a huge log jam in the middle, and a bunch of walk-offs this weekend. We'll get to all that. We'll also talk to Maryland coach Rob Vaughn. He joins us on the program. His team, by the way, in the mix there, in the middle of that log jam in the Big Ten. But let's start, Drew, by talking about what's happening at the top, and we've got some changes there. Michigan, the new leader in the Big Ten, only a half game up, but it is a change there at the top, and it comes because the Wolverines sweep Rutgers, uh, giving up only five runs in that series against the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, Michigan has now won eight straight games, and they're getting great pitching uh, specifically this weekend from Carl Kaufman, who won Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, and Jeff Criswell, uh, their second pitcher of the weekend. Yeah, outscored Rutgers 18-4 to in the first two games. In game number three, it went to extra innings, and it took a Joe Donovan three-run walk-off home run to earn the sweep against Rutgers and give Michigan the Big Ten lead. Yeah, back-to-back sweeps now over the last couple of weekends for Michigan. Our other big story... Of a few here as we start the top of the show. Illinois on the move. The Illini go to Nebraska. That series in Nebraska, Drew. It is. By the way. Lincoln. Lincoln, yeah. Which is in Nebraska. (laughs) Uh, Illinois, little little inside joke plus joke for our Twitter followers uh, there. Which is, it's not even funny, but we'll go with it anyway. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, Illinois goes to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. uh, Which is in Nebraska. Uh, They have now won... Uh, they get two of three there. The Illini have now won their last three series at Minnesota, Penn State, and then at Nebraska. So the Illini moving up a little bit here after a slow start to the Big Ten. Yeah, a couple of really uh, really close games there in Lincoln. But Illinois only trailed in one at bat the entire weekend. Wow. So uh, they held the lead throughout the weekend uh, against a tough Nebraska team. You know, we thought Illinois would eventually come around. They got a slow start in the Big Ten. We expected them to come around, and now we're seeing it. Uh, They got a tough matchup this week in Indiana, but then they've got Purdue and Michigan State to uh, finish out the Big Ten season, so we'll look for them to move a little bit more. Their RPI has jumped up to number 20 in the nation, uh, which leads the Big Ten as well. Only one at bat. Hmm, That tells me walk-off there in Lincoln. Mm. Maybe a little preview for later in the show. Indiana holds off Minnesota. We thought this would be a great series, and it was the swing game in this one. Uh, literally swing game, uh, was on Saturday. Uh, what a dramatic comeback by Indiana. Yeah, Indiana wins the series, but we could easily be talking this morning about them losing that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota got game one off a great start by Max Meyer. And game number two, uh, Minnesota was up 6-4 to four, uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, full count against Matt Lloyd, two outs. What does he do? He does what Indiana does best, and he hits a three-run homer to win the game 7-6. to six. Uh, That evens up the series, and then IU comes back on Sunday and wins that third game to win the series. Indiana's won 13 of their last 15 games, and they've won seven straight series now. Why don't they just start Meyer on Friday and then bring him back to close the game on Saturday? Not Can't do that? <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah, for him especially, it seems like it. But yeah, I don't think going to do that. Uh, okay, some upcoming, upcoming Big Ten series, and there are some big ones uh, this week, no doubt about it. I, I think 
you know, number one is in Champaign, right? Uh, Indiana traveling over to play at Illinois. Uh, this feels like a, a big series between two teams that are surging a bit here at the right moment. And for Indiana, uh, if, if you consider, and we'll jump ahead here for a moment, if you consider Michigan at Maryland, so does Michigan have an advantage at Maryland? Uh, maybe so, but, you know, Indiana, I, I think with a more difficult opponent in the Illini, especially how Illinois has played, if Indiana wants to keep pace there, they're going to have to find a way to, to win a game, maybe two against Illinois. Yeah, and it's a, it's a huge series for Illinois because I think they are playing for regional host this weekend. Mm. They've got Purdue and Michigan State the last six games of the season. Their RPI is up to 20. This yeah. is the last tough series of, of the year for Illinois. And if they can win two of three, then I think they've got a chance to host a regional. So a huge right. series for them as well. Yeah, a lot to play out, but I see what you're saying there. Michigan playing at Maryland. So the Terps, and we'll talk to Rob Vaughn here coming up in just a couple of minutes, are in that jammed up middle of the Big Ten. This starts a, a difficult stretch for uh, Maryland uh, and a big series, you know, for Michigan trying to stay atop of the Big Ten standings. Yeah, we'll talk about all those teams that are jammed up there in the middle here in the lineup a little bit later, but a really important series for Maryland at home because they could be in serious trouble if, if they lose a couple games yeah. here against Michigan. Yeah, they're in a good spot right now, but considering the Big Ten and its standings, uh, things can change very quickly on uh, teams like the Terrapins. Ohio State playing at Minnesota. Man, the Gophers, it's like they're just sort of hanging out there, but you feel like they sort of need to win a series here, right? Four straight series losses. That includes one non-conference against Oklahoma, but four straight series losses for Minnesota and with another series lost, again, they could be a team that's on the outside looking in, and this is a team that was picked by the coaches to win the Big Ten. Yeah, pretty remarkable, and that makes it a big series up there in Minneapolis. Michigan State playing at Purdue, so the Boilermakers who have had a good week back in conference play. And so, you know, this one, a big one for the Boilermakers. You have to start, like, adding up potential victories here, and Purdue has some... Some wins it needs to get back into the picture here for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, both these teams really need victories, Michigan State and Purdue. Michigan State all of a sudden has won four of their last five games. So Purdue, looking ahead to this series a couple weeks ago, thinking, okay, Michigan State, some, there's some victories there. Now yeah. they're looking at a hot team uh, coming into right. West Lafayette, and uh, both of these teams need victories or, or they could be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, from Michigan State's perspective now, all of a sudden, you know, you have three. You're, you're only 3-11, and 11, but you're not out of it, out of it yet. Yeah. You know, you could get hot, I suppose. A team that just is, has been really weird uh, this year, but thought would be better than what they have performed. Uh, so maybe Michigan State feels like you can go into West Lafayette and get some wins. Nebraska playing at Northwestern. So the Cornhuskers uh, going on the road. Again, a, another team that... Uh, needs some victories if it wants to be there through the last couple of weeks of the season and give Darren Erstad and company an opportunity to get a Big Ten crown. And Northwestern, or excuse me, Nebraska is one of those teams with only six more Big Ten games left. Uh, they've still got a, a non-conference weekend coming up, uh, so they really need to win. I think if they want to win the Big Ten this weekend right here against Northwestern has to be a sweep. Penn State playing at Rutgers, so the Scarlet Knights rough road trip to Michigan. They come back home and take on the Nittany Lions. 
a Penn State team that has struggled for wins during the Big Ten season. And you could say the same that you just said. If Rutgers wants an opportunity to get in the Big Ten tournament, they've got to at least take two of three, if not just sweep this weekend. And good news for Rutgers. They've got Penn State and then Northwestern next, but then uh, they end the season with IU. So right mm-hmm. now is the time that they need to get victories and, and sort of separate themselves from that eight spot uh, because that series uh, to end the season against IU is going to be really tough. Iowa out of conference this weekend. They welcome in UC Irvine for three games there in Iowa City. All right, let's give out our awards for the weekend. Let's start with Big Arm. And we do have a a number of qualifiers for the week. Uh, Give me a couple, Drew. Who who stood out to you? Yeah, we'll go with Max Meyer since we already talked to him a little bit. Against IU, got that Friday night victory, went seven innings. Uh, Just gave up six hits to the Hoosiers, a couple of runs. He struck out 12. Uh, Sam Thornson uh, for Minnesota got a no decision uh, in that game when IU walked it off, but still pitched well. Uh, For Iowa, Cole McDonald went eight innings, just about a complete game there, struck out eight in a victory against Ohio State. Uh, Garrett Burhin, the freshman from Ohio State, went eight innings, five hits, seven strikeouts uh, versus Iowa. Hunter Parsons in there again with a victory for Maryland over Penn State. Uh, the two Michigan guys, Jeff Criswell and the Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, Carl Kaufman, uh, both both pitched well in their victories over Rutgers. Uh, but we're going to go a little unconventional here, I suppose, uh, with Patrick J. Smith from Purdue. Uh, Smith is a guy who was in the weekend rotation, struggled a bit, so Purdue threw him out there in a midweek game. He went four innings of no-hit baseball in that game and then came back to pitch in the weekend against SEMO. So overall for the week, he went eight and two-thirds innings, just gave up four hits, no runs, one walk, and he struck out 13 in a victory against uh, uh, Purdue-Fort Fort Wayne, Wayne. Yep. and then a no decision against SEMO. So we'll give Patrick J. Smith the big arm this week for his two performances. Yeah, Smith nearly got two victories because he was one out away at getting through five against SEMO on Sunday, and that start, I think he had a 3-2 count, walk the batter, had he gotten it out there, probably would have well, he would have gotten the through the five, and then would have been in line, and, and you know, pretty went on to hold on for a victory in that game. Would have gotten the win, so could have had a two and zero week. Still goes eight and two thirds combined over two starts, gets one win, one no decision in a game that Purdue wins, and gets thirteen strikeouts against one walk. So pretty good performance by Smith for the Boilermakers. He gets our big arm for this week, big bat. We put, I put, how many names do I have down here? I've got like a lot. 15 <laughs> names written down. Let's not hit all these. Let's not uh, bog this down with too many stats. Yeah. But uh, give me a couple of nominees for the week. Well, let's go by team. Indiana had Matt Gorski and Scott Bradley, who played very well. Uh, ben Mazinga for Minnesota had a great weekend. Zeb Adrian for Iowa won Big Ten Player of the Week uh, for his uh, five RBI, four double, and one home run week for Iowa. Justin Jenkins in there, and Brandon Schur from Iowa as well. Uh, for Purdue, Cole McKenzie, Skyler Hunter, Bryce Bonner all played very well. We'll throw Milo Beam in there as well, who was 6-for-18 with six runs scored, seven RBIs. Milo's had an RBI in each of the last six games. He had a double, a home run, and three stolen bases. For Maryland, Taylor Wright and Randy Bednar uh, played well. Uh, and for Michigan State, Royce Ando and Bryce Kelly uh, led the way. Alex Arrow, again, for Northwestern, had a big weekend. 
Uh, but we'll go to Michigan. Uh, Joe Donovan had the two home runs in three games, including that walk-off. And Jordan Brewer on the week was 7 for 14. He had four runs scored, six RBI, two home runs, and a double. That was all in three games to give him the big bat this week. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note Donovan, only three hits on the weekend, but he scored three runs, had eight RBI, and hit two home runs. So maybe not the hit total that you would need to get the award, but he had a, a productive week. But we'll give it to Brewer at Michigan, six runs driven in a couple of home runs in the three-game series against Rutgers. So he gets our big bat for the week. All right, let's turn our attention to Maryland. We talked to Terrapin coach Rob Vaughn in his second year out there, coaching the Dirty Terps. His conversation with us coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast. And welcome back to the Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charters, happy to be joined by Rob Vaughn in his second year at Maryland, the head coach of the Dirty Terps over there. The uh, the Terrapins that are playing some pretty good baseball right now, winners of two of three at Penn State over the weekend. Rob, first of all, uh, thanks for coming on the show. You've got the team playing pretty well right now. Yeah, you know, the boys are fighting hard, like, like anybody this time of year. You know, it's, there's a lot of guys kind of, banged up we're definitely not the only team in the country that has that that's the rigors of the college baseball season but you know what we've just been we got we got a young group that we've really been preaching you know about the way we play the game the way um you know that we compete the intensity we bring to the yard you know every day and kind of the will to win and um you know we we haven't shown that day in and day out which is how you end up kind of at a 500 record but but the boys have been playing really good as of late, really proud of how they're competing right now. And, yeah, it was a, it was a great weekend uh, to get out there and take two or three Penn State. It's a good way to kind of continue moving in the right direction the Big Ten season. When you take over a program that has had some success, but you want to put your own stamp on it, like what you have done at Maryland, what kind of challenge is that? You know, it's really interesting because, you know, we, we came in, I came in with Coach Chef back in 2012, and, you know, Coach Backett, who's at Michigan now, it kind of left us in a pretty good situation. You know, um, you know, not unlike some some of the other programs. You know, I, I, Indiana comes to mind. You know, Lamonis and Cheese and Bun and those guys. You know, left a pretty good spot for Coach Mercer coming in, and his staff's done an unbelievable job with a really talented team. And you know, that's kind of what we had in our lap when we got here. We had a team that hadn't really won at a high level, but had some really talented young players. And you know, we had to coach them up and kind of put our culture and our, our stamp on it. And, you know, we were fortunate to have two really good years in 2014 and 15 and, you know, back in a regional again in 17. And, you know, I think, I think the big thing you try to do is, is, you know, coach chef and I um, go back a long way. I'm, I'm in coaching because of him Mm -hmm. and um, wouldn't be where I'm at without him. So I've learned so much from that guy and, you know, it's taken what, what did we do that, really fits my personality and what do we do a little bit different you know and so so our big thing is is really not trying to be somebody we're not but to really just establish the right culture a culture of of grit a culture of hard work of competitiveness of of guys to where um they understand what it means to be a tough group and know how to compete and you know it's not unlike a lot of the stuff coach chef had done when he was here but when you're in the driver's seat obviously there's there's different challenges, different things you, you work with, but but we're having a lot of fun figuring it out. All right, I'm going to tell you the good news, Coach. The good news is you're in fifth place in the Big Ten. 
I assume you take that as good sure. news. Maybe you'd like to be in first yeah. place, I think. But, you know, fifth place isn't a bad place to be. The The more difficult sure. news there is that your last three weekend opponents are pretty good, <laughs> to say oh, the yeah. least. You've got a difficult slate coming up. And, man, it is quite a log jam. The good thing is there's teams in front of you that can be caught. The bad thing is there's teams right behind you that could catch up. You can't feel very comfortable sure. right now, even though you're sitting in a pretty good spot. Sure, you know, and I think that's what you, what you see. I was actually talking with uh, one of the coaches earlier this year, and how much the Big Ten has just really changed from a baseball perspective over the last, you know, five to seven years. And, you know, even when we got in the league in 2015, you had – you know, some teams at the top that had a lot of talent, but there were some teams at the bottom that, that kind of year in and year out struggled a little bit, and that's just really not the case in the league anymore. There's so much parity in the league. There's there's teams, there, there's just no gimmies in this league anymore, you know, and that's a tribute to what a lot of the coaches have, have done in this league and how well they recruit and how well they coach their team. And so, you know, as a league, that's a really positive thing. And you know what, the way we look at it all the time, because we're, we're obviously – you know, with where we're at and how we've played, you know, we'll look at it and say, you know what, fifth place, that's that's all right for right now. But you're exactly right. The, the, the three weekends that we have left are against probably arguably the most talented, if not one of the most talented teams in Michigan. We've got to try to solve the Max Meyer riddle against uh, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Iowa's given us fits every year that we've played them. And so, you know, we know that it's going to be a challenge. But I tell you what, you know, the way, the way I look at it and the way our coaching staff really looks at it is, is limping your way in is not really the way we want to do it. If we can't, if we can't take care of business against the best teams and and go compete against those guys, then then we don't belong to be there. And that's the way we look at it. You know, I think I think this group, if they'll continue to fight and continue to to give us the effort that they've given us the last three to four weeks, then you know I think we'll look up in three weeks and win, lose or draw, we'll be able to kind of lay our heads on our pillow and know that we we kind of laid it all out there. And so. We know what kind of challenges in front of us, and you know, very honestly, we're we're really looking forward to kind of getting it up and mixing it up with those guys. Because, like you said, you know, there's there we can be caught, but we can also do some catching with people, and so that's what we're we're excited to get on the field and go get after it. Talking to Maryland coach Rob Vaughn on the Big Baseball Podcast, prediction of one hundred one seven, the Hammer. Okay, I was looking at your offense. I was a little intrigued here because, uh, frankly, I thought I was going to look at it. I thought you were going to have like a two eighty five team. Uh, batting average it was lower than I thought at 250 but other th- but then I'm like wait how are you scoring so many runs because you're you're <laughs> averaging like 5.7 runs per game which puts you uh, up near the top of the Big Ten so you know you, you look a little bit deeper you guys run well I think you're fourth in the league in home runs but you know second through fifth is all sort of lumped there together but he's a little bit behind Indiana obviously but man it's sure. the, it, what jumps off the page is the doubles I mean, you guys have sure. uh, give or take a million doubles. I think this year, I, I think the, I think the actual number is like ninety six. But then, three guys that rank in the top four in the league is that? Is there anything to that? Is it just a matter of the the strengths of those guys? Is it the ballpark you're playing in? Is it a little bit your philosophy? What all has gone into the fact that your offense has produced some runs, even though maybe you're not hitting it quite as high an average as what you want to? Sure. Sure, you know, and I, I think we kind of knew that going in. And I, the the lesson that I've preached to our guys from day one is is offensive scoring runs. Period. Yeah. No matter what that looks like, it doesn't matter whether you know. I would much rather score 
eight runs a game and hit 220, even though that would be a really difficult thing to do, <laughs> than I would to hit 300 and average five runs a game. You know, and I think that's the reality of it. I think baseball is winning and losing is about scoring one more run than the other team. So, so that's kind of been our emphasis from day one. It's about how do we score runs. And I think that a couple of things that this team does pretty well is we get hit by a lot of pitches, mm. we walk a lot, and we, we can really drive the baseball a little bit, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the one thing I don't love that we do, I think we strike out too much. I wish we could cut those down a little bit. Cause I think, you know, that would, can, I think the more base runners you have, obviously the more opportunities you have to do some stuff, but you know, one thing we've, we've preached is we want to be able to score runs different ways. I want to be able to line up and drive the baseball out of the yard and hit doubles. And we've shown at times that we can really do that. But when you're playing, you know, we're facing Sal Biazzi, or I'm sorry, Dante Biazzi on Friday <laughs> night at Penn State. You're just not going to go uh, with that guy on the mound. You are not going to go up and go hit, 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 hit and win. I mean, his stuff is too good. He is too good. Um, so you have to be able to do some different things. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to set up a couple innings, had a leadoff double, move him over, and then ground ball score him. You know, we score one run that way. And then, you know, later on, we, we kind of get back to bat hits. We're sitting at second and third, and we're able to, you know, play some offense and get some stuff done. So, for me, that's that's kind of been our recipe. We we've we've had the ability to drive the ball at times, but um, you know where we where we kind of lack in batting average, um, we've really kind of made up for in in getting on base with the walk, getting on base with the hit by pitch, and just doing some little things well. You know, I think if you can be a good base running team, which doesn't really show up in the stat sheet, you know, you don't see, you know, they don't tally anything for. You know, the outfielder coming up, air mailing the cut, and our guy sliding yeah. into second base. And those are things that when we have played kind of a good brand of baseball, we've done that pretty consistently. You know, I think the challenge we've had is, you know, you got four seniors who our four seniors are playing really great baseball right now. But outside of those guys, you know, you you see a lot of freshmen and sophomore in the lineup every day. So I think some of our inconsistencies come from, just some guys that are trying to figure out the rigors of college baseball a little bit. So, um, you know, that's been kind of our thing. You know, the way we scored runs, is we've we've been able to drive the baseball pretty good. We've been able to get on base at a, at a relatively high clip for not having an awesome team batting average. We also hand out weekly awards here on our little podcast, and it, it, it seems like you guys have a different player in your lineup step up each week, it feels like. It's not necessarily the sure. same guy every week and that has got to be greatly beneficial to your offense as well oh there's no doubt you know and we've had we've had that we got a true freshman maxwell costa sitting in our four hole and you know he's had several weeks where he's just been been on fire to where he pretty much carried our team and then we've had some a couple weeks where you know taylor wright who's just been he hasn't necessarily put up the gaudy numbers other than just other than his doubles you know he's hitting a tick over 300 and and nothing that just says, man, he's an elite level player, but he's just super steady. Have him hitting the three hole. And then you got AJ Lee, the other senior hitting lead off for us. Randy Bednar hitting two. So our one through four has been pretty good at picking one of the other four up when they're kind of off. And, you know, the thing that's been great is having a guy like Mike Pinheiro, who had been out of lineup for a couple of weeks, who stepped in and, and had a really good weekend for us at Penn state, you know, Josh McGuire, who, started the year with us kind of having a conversation that we were probably going to redshirt him and then 
that turning into him being almost our everyday DH now because he's kind of worked his way into the lineup. So it, it's been great uh, to have other guys involved. I think it, it allows your offense to kind of trust each other a little bit, which I think is big. I think when, when one guy's got to carry the whole team, there's a lot of pressure that goes into that. So, so it's been nice to kind of have, you know, some guys senior through freshmen step up in big spots and, and, and be, be kind of a force offensively for us. As for the pitching staff, Man, a lot of it's centered around your guy on Friday night and Hunter Parsons. You sure. know, every time out, every Friday, you've got to feel like you've got a really good opportunity to get out there and get an early series victory. And if you do that on Friday nights, it gives you a really good chance to come away uh, with a weekend victory. And tell me a little bit sure. about Parsons because you you look at him. You know, he was drafted out of high school. You know, had a pretty good freshman year. Was was down then as a sophomore started to emerge last year, and, and now suddenly I think you have to feel like as a guy you can put out there against just about anyone and have confidence that he can get you a win. There's no question. Hunter Parsons, he's just one of the best kids you'll ever meet, too. He's a great student. He's a great kid. He's the kind of guy that you would be all right with your daughter, Marion. He's that kind of kid. You know, he's a big-time character dude, and he's he's put so much work, and he's put so much work into the mental game because, you know, when he was in high school, he – he was kind of the big fastball guy. He'd run fastballs up to 92, 94, and was kind of just come at you with a big fastball and kind of carried that into his freshman year, sophomore year, just had a really tough year. You know, mentally had a tough year, yeah. didn't really handle expectations, kind of lost who he was as both kind of a person as a player, you know, for about a year. And, and he came back last year and was it was good for us. And, you know, what he's done this year is awesome. I mean, I think we've won every game in the league that he started so far, you know, you look at the Indiana series, and he went toe-to-toe with Paulie Milto, who I told Coach Mercer after that weekend, I said, the one guy I'm just so ready for Paulie Milto not to be in our <laughs> league anymore because I'm tired of facing that guy. I mean, he's he's an intense competitor, and Hunter went out and blanked a, arguably the best offense in our league right now on Friday night. And um, we won that one, and then, very frankly, just got absolutely boat raced when we didn't have him on the, on the mound the next two games. But But Hunter's just a great kid. He's put the work in. And you're exactly right. You know, he, Hunter doesn't always just hang zeros, but what he does is he gives you a chance to win every single Friday. He competes. He throws a lot of strikes. He's got a lot of toughness to him. Um, and, you know, you love starting the weekend with him on Friday because you know you're going to go out there and he's going to figure out whether he has his stuff or not. He's generally going to get you into the sixth or seventh inning and, and put you in a position to win. And, and uh, we're just uh, unbelievably fortunate to have him because without him, our record and our everything could look a lot different. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring up the Indiana series, but you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, it's an illustration, uh, you know, his ability to shut down that offense that you then got to see up close and a little too personal then the next couple of sure. days. I mean, it was impressive that weekend what he was able to do to, to shut those guys down. He, he did. I mean, him and Milto were the same guy that night. We were fortunate enough to get kind of one more big hit here and there than, than they did um, on Friday. But, um, you know, Polly did the exact same thing to us. Like I said, we were fortunate to squeak out a couple knocks when we needed them. But, but you're exactly right. You know, and he's done that against, against big teams. You know, I, we look back over the last two years, and I can think of two starts in two years that I look at and we're like, man, he didn't compete great in those weekends for us. And, Shoot, I think you can look across college baseball, and, and there's not too many guys you can say that about. So, you know what he lacks is stuff because he doesn't have the raw stuff. He's gonna he's gonna be anywhere 87 to 90, touch a 91, and 
but he can really sink the baseball. He can really command his fastball. He's really hard to barrel up. He's got a good cutter that he can throw off of that, and he's got fuel for a changeup. So what he lacks in just raw stuff, he makes up for in preparation and competitiveness and his ability to pitch. And so, um, man, he's he's special. We're going to miss Hunter Parsons next year, that's for sure. So you guys are hanging out there right at 500, pretty much 500 across the board, right? I mean, 500 overall, you're, you're just a tick above 500 in the league. But you guys played a good non-conference schedule. The RPI is is in a position that, you know, they're in the 80s where, you know, you can win some games here down the stretch, especially with who is coming up on the schedule. And, you know, maybe not only get yourself into the Big Ten tournament where you've got to feel like your number one can match up against you know, a lot of the other teams, but if you make a run here, you feel like a lot of this team's goals are still out there. I mean, if you go on a streak here over the last month of the season, you can probably up that RPI even a little bit more and, and maybe get yourself into the picture a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny because everybody looks back at our year in 2014 and, you know, that was the first year we'd been in the NCAA tournament since 1971. And everybody talks about, you know, 2014, like, man, we just went out and won every game that year. We were dominant. And truth be told, we were in a tick better position than we were right now. But what we did is we were lights out at the end of April and in the beginning of May. I think we went into the conference tournament winning like 14 of 15 games going into the conference tournament and got hot at the right time, played well in the conference tournament, took that into South Carolina, played well there and beat them in their regional and finished that year in a super. So, you know, I think the great thing about college baseball is that that it's all about just getting hot at the right time, you know, and about being healthy enough. It obviously takes a little bit of luck. It takes a little bit of, you know, guys staying healthy. It takes a little bit of balls bouncing your way. But but to me, and it, this sounds like the most cliche thing ever to say <laughs> as a coach, but really for me, it's, it's really, I, I can live with whatever happens the next, you know, three weeks of the season if we go out and attack the game we have about the last, three weeks you know yeah. I, I'm really proud of the competitiveness shoot I was proud of the way we compete against Ohio State you know we have a, a four-run lead with one out in the eighth inning with a chance to win the series and unfortunately couldn't finish that off and then they came out and, and took a game on Sunday so you know you're you're five outs away from from you know sitting in a little bit better position but our competitiveness the level in which we we competed as a group and our will to win I thought was really really high and that's that's what I really care about, and I really think if this group comes out um, and competes at that level, I think we can play with anybody. You know, and what I've also told them is when we don't come out and do that, we can also get beat by anybody yeah. because what we don't have is, you know, we don't have the the best collection of talent. It, just calling it what it is, most teams, especially these next three weeks that we're going to match up with, you could go player by player, and for the most part, you're probably going to take a lot of guys from the other team and. But the beauty of that is that that really doesn't matter. The best team is the one that usually wins, not the most talented team. And this team has showed that when they come out and they they have some gritty toughness to them and, and compete their tails off, that they can go out and do a lot of special things. So to me, that's really where where my focus is going to lie. You know, we've got nine conference games left in the regular season, two midweek games, so we're sitting at 11 games left. And if we can lay it on the line for 11 games, whether – that really shakes in our favor. Whether it doesn't, I'm going to be really proud of what this group's accomplished this year. It'll certainly be interesting to watch you guys and a lot of other teams in the Big Ten. A lot to be decided here over the last three weeks. Hey, Coach, appreciate the time greatly. Uh, Thanks for coming on, and best of luck the rest of the way. 
I appreciate you. Thank you so much, and thanks for what you do for the Big Ten baseball stuff, man. This is pretty awesome. That's Rob Bond, Maryland coach. We'll be back here in just a moment with more on the Big Baseball Podcast. And a thanks again to Maryland coach Rob Bond for joining us on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. Drew, let's hit our lineup, the nine topics we are talking about as we hit the upcoming weekend in the Big Ten. And with topic number one in our leadoff spot, let's stick with the Terrapins. Three upcoming opponents. We talked to Vaughn about this a little bit during his segment. Michigan at home, at Minnesota, and then Iowa at home. So Maryland sitting in a three-way tie for fifth right now at eight and seven, but man, they're going to be challenged. So look, they're either going to make it in or not. Yeah. And if they make it in, they're going to earn their way into the big 10 tournament. Yeah. That's an absolutely tough nine game stretch there to end the big 10, but Maryland's won three of their last four series. And that includes winning two of three over Illinois. So can they do it? Yes, absolutely. They've got the third best average, uh, in the Big Ten, with a 275, they've got three guys in Big Ten play only batting over 350. Mm-hmm. A.J. Lee, Michael Pernero, and Randy Bednar, who we've mentioned a couple times. But the ERA is slacking, not much depth after Parsons. We'll yeah. see if they can build up that pitching towards the end of the season and keep those bats hot. Topic number two, walk-off weekend. We had three of them in the Big Ten this weekend made for some pretty dramatic play, and each one of them mattered a heck of a lot as well. Yeah, Indiana on uh, Saturday, did what they do best. Um, Down two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. They get a couple of runners on. Matt Lloyd comes up with two outs. He's got a full count, and he hits one that's a no-doubter over the right field fence, sort of just dropped his bat and ran around. So (laughs) instead of talking about uh, Minnesota winning that series, it's a whole different conversation we're having today due to that one swing. Michigan in game three, to get the sweep over Rutgers, Joe Donovan hits a three-run home run in extra innings. So that game was tied with Rutgers. He hits a three-run homer to win. Game two, Nebraska against Illinois. Nebraska got a walk-off. Joe Aker, a uh, single in the bottom in the ninth, and that was to even the series. Game three was crazy, too. Not necessarily a walk-off, but Illinois scored two runs in the top of the ninth inning to take a uh, 6-4 lead. Nebraska came back and were threatening to tie it again, only scored one run there in the bottom of the ninth and lost 6-5. Let's talk some resumes in our number three lineup position. All right, so who is in good standing right now for the NCAA tournament? You talked about Illinois at the top of the show, the Illini uh, looking pretty good, especially with how they have played here recently, Indiana. Run them down for me. What do you got? Yeah, RPI-wise, we've got Illinois at number 20, Indiana at 28, Nebraska at 38, Michigan at 53, Iowa at 61, Minnesota at 72, and Maryland at 84. That's the top 100 in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Indiana and Illinois at this point are probably a lock, question mark? (laughs) Probably. I love that. That's excellent. Excellent analysis. Probably a lot. I think, the, I think the big questions come in and do, do Michigan and Nebraska have enough to get in at this point? And then can Iowa make a run and be that fifth team uh, into the, into the tournament? I think those are the big questions uh, that we'll look at in these last six or nine games of the big 10. 
Let's hit cleanup and throw Iowa in there just to continue that conversation. The Hawkeyes just sort of lurking there a little bit, right? I mean, they take two of three at Ohio State, now into the bye week against UC Irvine over the weekend. Uh, but Iowa, a, a, a team that, you know, we're, we're not putting them up uh, with those other three, and, and maybe we should be, but they're sort of hanging out there with an opportunity not only to make some noise through the rest of the Big Ten season into the conference tournament, but maybe beyond as well. Yeah, I would describe Iowa as sneaky good. They've only lost 16 games this season. They've won five straight Big Ten series, uh, 11 and four since getting swept by IU. Man, that hurt now looking back. Uh, that series, but I was such a balanced team. They've got a, a good offense and, and good pitching yeah. and they're sort of just sitting there. I think a big 10 championship at this point would be tough. Uh, you know, they've only got six more games. They've got the bye week this week, mm-hmm. but an at large bid is absolutely still in play for Iowa. All right. Topic number five, the magnificent seven. So if you look back to the last week, really seven teams, Played well in the Big Ten, picked up some pretty critical victories. And, you know, we'll pull Purdue out of there a little bit as well. The Boilermakers go 4-1 and one at the start of a long home stretch back in West Lafayette. Yes, those seven teams, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, all were either 4-1, and 3-1, and 3-0 and oh this week. Uh, but highlighting Purdue, uh, you know, they made some lineup changes uh, before this week. They had five games this week. They moved Milo Beam. Uh, who had been batting towards the end of the lineup uh, into that leadoff spot instead of Skyler Hunter, moved Skyler to more of a run-producing spot in the lineup, and it worked. They've got more depth from 1-9 to nine in the lineup. They had not scored double-digit runs all season. They did it twice this week. Uh, so the lineup, uh, plus the pitching rotation changing up a little bit, mostly due to injury, mm-hmm. seems to be working for the Boilermakers. They were 4-1 and one this week uh, after the series victory against SEMO. Yeah, had the two midweek games. Now, the competition there, uh, Chicago State and and uh, F- uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, I think combined for 15 victories on the season. And then SEMO, which is you know injury-riddled, comes in over the weekend. So, you know, you can only play who's on your schedule, and that's who was on Purdue's schedule. So they go 4-1. and one. But now Michigan State coming in for the weekend. We'll see if that new-look lineup for the Boilermakers makes a difference. All right. Hitting number six, jammed up. Uh, it is in the middle of the the Big Ten. So we have five teams at eight and seven, or seven and eight. That's the fifth through ninth spots in the Big Ten, and then Purdue sitting there at number ten at six and eight. So there's still a, a, a log jam there in the middle of the Big Ten, and how that all gets sorted out. I don't know what the answer to be, but it'll be fun to watch here over the last few weeks. Topic number seven, Northwestern fading. Man, the Wildcats, since winning four straight, including a sweep at Ohio State, are only overall four and eight since then. You thought a team that maybe had found it a little bit suddenly has lost it a little bit, and Northwestern has a little bit of a hill to climb to get back into the picture for the Big Ten tournament. After that series against Ohio State, that next weekend, Northwestern played Maryland. They scored eight runs in one game, ten runs in the other game, and lost both of those games. Since then, they have only scored over three runs in a game once. Uh, so they've j- they're just not getting the run production uh, that they need to get victories uh, these days. And uh, 
Nebraska and Minnesota are six of their last nine Big Ten games, so yeah. it doesn't get any easier for the Wildcats. All right, topic number eight, the big baseball curse, Drew. Are we finally going to talk about this? I I mean, do it, I don't like to draw attention to ourselves very much, but so the weekend after we have a coach on, teams are losing. We noticed they this. Are. We noticed <laughs> this a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, we've had guys on and then their teams. We don't want to, I don't know if we want to publicize this too much because we do want the coaches to come on and talk to us. <laughs> right. Uh, but so what is it? What's the, what's the record now? Uh, you totaled it up. The, the teams uh, whose coach appears on the show, their record then the next weekend, you combine all those up. What do we got? 14 and 22. Yee. We've got a losing record. And you got to keep in mind here, we're having coaches on that have good weekends the previous week. <laughs> so they're coming off great weekends, yeah. and then it's sliding down. Only two teams have had a winning record the next week. Uh, three and one record was Iowa and Ohio State uh, had great weeks after we had them on. But the rest, it's, you know, it's got to be, what, Big Baseball Pod Curse number one, Sports Illustrated Madden. Are we up there now? We're up there, right? Yeah. Uh, certainly so. But let's <laughs> not talk about this anymore because we want the coaches. We appreciate everybody's time. Good luck, Marilyn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. All right. Topic number nine as we wrap this up. What are you watching this weekend? Uh, Indiana Illinois series is obviously going to be a huge one as, as those two teams battle it out. But Ohio State and Minnesota, that series uh, is going to have a big impact. Minnesota, again, has lost four straight series. And, you know, it's make or break for Minnesota at this point. They've got to win now. And they can't wait any longer. Uh, Ohio State just sitting outside that top eight, so they need victories. Minnesota needs victories, uh, and so it'd be exciting to see what happens in that series. We will both literally be watching Purdue and Michigan State play at Alexander Field because we will be there for that series. But look, that one and the Rutgers Penn State series, and, and here's the reason why: Purdue and Rutgers both at home taking on teams that you feel like uh, you could be able to get victories against those two teams, Michigan State and Penn State, setting in the last two spots in the Big Ten. So if the Boilermakers and the Scarlet Knights are to uh, boost their Big Ten tournament standings, I think this weekend for both those squads will be pretty critical. So we will be watching that uh, for Purdue and Rutgers. All right. Good show today, brother. Excellent job. Uh, a thanks to Rob Vaughn for coming on the program uh, with us this week, the Maryland coach. He was great, uh, and we appreciate the time from him and everyone else. All right, should be another big weekend. We'll be back here again uh, next week. Thanks, brother. It's going to be exciting three weeks of baseball here. Yeah, no doubt about it. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!